Hi there, and welcome to It's Coming with Kim and Christine. I'm Kim. And I'm Christine. And we're sisters. And my sister Christine has been, as a hobby, studying the second coming. How long has this been a hobby for you? I think I really started maybe after the whole COVID-19 thing began. Somewhere last spring, I think. You have been in the scriptures and really, what has been your goal in all of your study? I can't say that I necessarily had a goal. I remember last uh, last spring we went camping, my family and I, and we were just driving around from place to place looking at some different sites. And I was reading in the book of Revelations chapter 9 while we were driving around, and I I just remember saying, oh my gosh, Steve, you got to hear this. This is crazy. And just reading to him some of like the really wacko things that are going to happen in the last days. It just kind of went from there. Just kind of one thing led to another. And Steve's her husband. So for those wondering who she was talking to there, that was Steve. Let's get into it today. Today, I don't even really understand. Christine has given me the name of what we're talking about. Now, we've mentioned before, we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We study through that lens and we study the New Testament and Old Testament, specifically the King James Version. In addition, some of Christine's study has come out of the Book of Mormon and Modern Day Prophets. I don't know where this comes from, but Christine tells me that our topic today is three second coming. (laughs) Yes, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> so let me just, I, I know that I've, I've said this before. I am not the scriptorian, right? I, I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. I really love it. But I have never in my recollection heard of three second coming. I am looking forward to an education today. <laughs> I'm an early morning seminary teacher, which, which means that I teach scriptures to teenagers before school starts is what that means. I sometimes just try to make my class think, what are you talking about? And this was one of those things that at some point I told told my class that we're going to talk about the three second comings today. And I maybe I say things like that just to confuse them and hope that they'll listen more to me. <laughs> <laughs> but not the case? Or is that what you've done to me? I've also been like, how many first resurrections do you think there are? And they'll be like, what? <laughs> How can you have more than one first resurrection? <laughs> anyway, they I, I don't mean to make teenagers sound like that. <laughs> anyway, when I talk about the second coming with my teenagers, I explain to them that there are three second comings. And that's simply because he, meaning Jesus, is going to have three appearances. Is he just appearing three times and then that's it? That's the second coming? I will say that earlier on, like in my life, I thought that these three appearances would be like one after the other, that they would all be close together. But the more I've studied, the more I've learned that we actually don't know how much time is in between each appearance. But we do know the order of appearances. Ezra Taft Benson made it super clear that there is an order. The first, second coming, I'll say, is when Jesus is going to meet with Adam in Adam on Diamon. This is talked about in the book of Daniel. I think it's chapter 7, verse 9. When they talk about the ancient of days in the scriptures, they're referring to Adam, meaning like Adam and Eve. For this appearance, he's going to come 
He's going to meet not only with Adam, but with all leaders of the different dispensations that are holders of keys. Does that make sense? Hold on, hold on. I'm, this is the first appearance of Jesus Christ? Yes. He will be meeting with leaders, those who have passed and those who are present? Yes. Okay. Essentially, what I mean by that is that throughout the different dispensations, which we talked about in a previous podcast, different people like Adam and also Moses, for example, Moses holds the keys to the gathering of Israel. He will be one of the people at this meeting. And then you've also got Peter, James, and John. They hold the keys to the Melchizedek priesthood. And then we've got Elijah and Noah, or he's sometimes called Elias. John the Baptist, our modern day prophet, will be there. All the people in history that are holders of keys are going to be at this really special meeting this is an appearance that is not going to be known to the world. It's not going to make the six o'clock news as the people will not know that this meeting happened. Interesting. So I did just find, I, I looked it up. So it's Daniel chapter seven, starting in verse nine is where it references it. And so you think it'll just be a, hey, let's all get together and talk about this. It's now time for the savior to come and the savior will actually be at that meeting. Yes, and it's not just a let's get together and talk about it. At that meeting, there's going to be a change in who's in charge. Jesus Christ is actually going to receive the keys. They're, all, they're going to give the keys to Jesus. From that day on, he's the one that's on the earth holding the keys to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an administrative meeting, I will say, <laughs> in addition to it being pretty cool. Really, really fascinating. So, okay, that's appearance number one. So some meeting yeah. happens and <laughs> the meeting is held and many of us probably won't even know that it happens, but any of those past and present who have had the authority and the keys of the gospel to administer mm -hmm. in, uh, the gospel in Jesus Christ's name here on the earth will be told, all right, not your time. <laughs> <laughs> you've been released. You no longer have that responsibility because Christ is here to reign and do that physically, not just through spiritual administration now. Then what? So I I just want to say like, don't you think it would be cool to like maybe be the caterer or something for that event? <laughs> I, mean, if, if, I mean, I know I'm not going to get invited for uh, <laughs> any big reasons, but I <laughs> make some really good cinnamon rolls. I just think there maybe there's some way. I, I do think that if Christ is going to be physically here, he's going to eat, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we need to start advertising our skills and talents. What do you make that's really good, Kim? Yeah, I don't. I don't. But I have, I've, what they could hire me for is to hire. manage. <laughs> <laughs> like they're going to pay you money. <laughs> okay. Okay. But they could put me in charge of finding the good food because while I may not be an expert at making it, I'm a good judge. There you go. You've got a point. There we go. So you have a purpose. If I get selected, Christine, I will select you to make the cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Thank you. I really need to work on making my cinnamon rolls prettier because whereas they're yummy, they're not as beautiful as some people's. So I'll work on that. And it's an interesting thing because you think about Mary and Martha and it's like, does Christ care how beautiful the cinnamon rolls are or does he just want to be fed? I'm saying that I care. If I'm making cinnamon rolls for Jesus, I want them to be super perfect. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. What is appearance number two? Appearance number two, 
is going to be following Armageddon. Armageddon is sometimes in the scriptures, more often, I will say, they call it the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Like, does that phrase sound familiar? Not really, but Armageddon does because there was a movie named. Yes. That's why I use the word Armageddon with the teenagers too, Kim. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's a movie. I'm so glad that my learning style equates that that you're used to. <laughs> This is perfect. It's perfect. Armageddon is this great battle that has been prophesied about in all of the books of scriptures. You'll read the most about it in Ezekiel. If you wanted to go do some homework, you could read Ezekiel chapters 37 through 39. And it's very specific about how it starts and what happens and what the cleanup is like and all of that. The scriptures describe Jerusalem being attacked like a whirlwind. That's in Daniel chapter 11, verse 40. It says that enemies are going to come upon them and they're going to surround them. And it'll be like a cloud over the whole city. Like, as, in you, as in like you can't even see through the people, meaning their enemies, because the place is going to be covered with their enemies. And they're going to be vastly outnumbered. It won't be any question, I think, as to when it starts, because when it starts, it will be very obvious. Some wars come on subtly, but this has definitely been prophesied to not come on subtly. It's going to be pretty intense. This, these are the scriptures you might, might sound familiar from the book of Isaiah, where it talks about how they're going to be running for the hills, essentially, just trying to flee, especially like the women and children are trying to just protect their families and will be running and running. Christine, do we know who is attacking? It says a country from the north. Okay. And I showed this to my seminary kids is I'll show them like a little map of religions. You know, you could pull up anything you want on the internet. And I pull up a little map on the map, like the little orange part are the Jews and then the Arab nations, um, which encompass a couple of different religions, but they're like in this turquoise teal color and and they are completely surrounded already geographically they are surrounded and many of those nations are enemies not all of them in fact some of them in recent years have joined peace treaties with israel but many of them are not you can go online and watch the leader of turkey the prime minister erdogan or something i think is his name and he rants this was just in october about how awful Jerusalem is and how they have stolen their why why they why did they ever let them have that city that city belongs to them that's where their great mosque is the dome of the rock and that's theirs and that belonged to the arab nation for 1560 years and why did we ever give it back and he's ready to take them on right now and that's turkey which is a nato ally of ours a lot of those Arab nations in that area are not friends. It's not just Pakistan. Many of them are not friends with Jerusalem. They're going to be so outnumbered. I'm not saying which country starts it, but I'm saying that the scriptures say it's a country to the north. But in the end, it's essentially going to be practically World War III. I think there will be multiple wars going on in the world because it talks about how the land like the earth is just going to be covered in in war it's going to be pretty pretty crazy it ends in the second but really the first for public appearance of jesus christ yes it's going to be phenomenal absolutely phenomenal because it'll be to the point where the jews are almost going to be decimated as a as a group 
Uh, the scriptures say that if Jesus doesn't come in when he did, that they would be completely wiped out. I always think, we're the United States of America. Why don't we save the Jews? We love Israel. We're friends with Israel. We have a great army. But it is clear that it is not the United States that comes in with the Navy SEALs and saves the day. I don't know where we are at this time, but it's the Jews that are saved by Jesus himself. Remember back in the New Testament, after Jesus Christ died and he was resurrected and he spent a few days there, but now he's getting ready to go back up to heaven again. And he's on the Mount of Olives and he's talking to Peter, James, and John, and then he ascends to heaven. So that's meaning like his body levitates, floats up until it's out of sight. Hard to imagine, but that's exactly what the scriptures describe. And then an angel is there and the angel says to Peter, James, and John, why are you standing there looking up into this sky? He is going to come back in the same way that he came and in the same place. And that is this, the second of the second comings. And so he is going to come back on the Mount of Olives and he is going to descend out of the sky you know, in the same way that he, he left, he's going to come down. And when his foot touches the Mount of Olives, there's going to be this earthquake. Then the scriptures even say that it will be felt around the world. I might be in California, but I'll be able to feel the earthquake. I'm in California and people will be like, oh, did you feel that earthquake? Because, you know, Southern California had a 7.2. And I'll be like, no, I didn't feel it, you know. <laughs> and that's if it, when it's in my same state, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's hard to imagine, but everyone across the world is going to be able to feel the impact of this earthquake. And it's going to create this mountain is going to divide into three sections. It's going to create these valleys that, and the Jews are going to be able to escape and He's going to save his people. And at the same time, five sixths, they're very specific. The scriptures can be five sixths. I can't hardly say that. It's a fraction. (laughs) You're trying to say, trying to say the fraction, just so we're clear. Five sixths as in the fraction. (laughs) A large percentage (laughs) of the enemies are going to be annihilated at that time in that earthquake. The enemies are going to be taken out. The scriptures say that the the remainder, some of them will actually convert and some will die from a scourge. Jesus is going to come and save the people, save his, save his people. So that's going to be pretty amazing. And that's when the Jews are going to go and look at him and they're going to see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. And they're going to feel great sorrow and sadness because they're going to realize for the first time, our Savior is Jesus Christ, who our ancestors crucified. It's following that, that there will be a great conversion of the Jews to Christianity. Interesting. That's number two. Yes. And that's a pretty significant appearance. It is is. public. It is public. Mm -hmm. It is felt around the world. Yeah. Who knows if the media will cover such a thing or if they'll, you know. (laughs) You know, I, I will say that before I really studied the second coming, I always thought that this appearance would be within hours maybe even of his great and grand experience where we all see him. But then when you read in Ezekiel, it talks about how the Jews spend seven months burying the dead and that it it stinks to high heaven. That's a quote from the scriptures, stinks to high heaven. (laughs) (laughs) They literally have full-time employees, people that, grave diggers. Ezekiel is so specific. It's really interesting. 
that they have burying the dead. And then after seven months, they're still going to be combing the area and, and they might find human bones in some places. And it's kind of like they put a little flag in the ground and they're like, oh, we missed some here. We missed some here. It's quite a cleanup. And then it talks about also in Ezekiel how they spend seven years cleaning, basically doing cleanup from the rubble of the war and the earthquake and how it just really will decimate the city. Okay, let's stop for a second. Did you say Armageddon will last for 42 months? Yes. Okay, so 42. Also, we talked uh, last, I know, the first week, episode one, I believe we talked about the numbers, significance of numbers. And 42 is one of those numbers that has significance, correct? Yes. Um, It's also three and a half years. Yes. And then we have seven months of cleaning and seven years of repair. Yes. Way to notice the numbers, Kim. Uh Yeah, look at me. I'm getting smarter. This is good. I'm enjoying it. You're a biblical numerologist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I noticed three numbers. That is number two. What is the third? Yeah, I just want to say like, if they're still cleaning up the dead, to me, it doesn't sound like Jesus has made his final appearance and the earth is renewed and received its paradisiacal glory, like we talk about in Article of Faith number 10. It seems to me like there's some time, in and I could be wrong, But it seems to me like there's some time in between that appearance and when he comes, and I call it in glory. Uh, Let me ask a question on that. If we go back to that where it said that his foot will hit the top of that mountain, right? Uh Will he be seen? Does it say he'll be seen? Or is this something that he is doing but is not physically seen? We know for sure that the Jews that he saves see him and that they see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. That's right. You mentioned that. Okay. Okay. Number three, we really don't know how much time passes between one and two or two and three. But this third time, this is when he comes in glory. In this, in the scriptures, they prophesy that he'll be wearing red and that he's not going to come alone. He's going to come with a host of heavenly angels. He is going to come and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. And it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be amazing. This is the one where some denominations refer to something called the rapture. Does that sound familiar, Kim? Yes. What we believe in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that in order to withstand the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, your body has to have some kind of change take place. That's why Moses, when he was speaking to Christ in the burning bush, he actually had to be in a translated state to be able to withstand the presence of the Lord and not burn himself, right? The saints, those those that have been waiting for him and the, that are righteous, we learn in Malachi, those that have paid their tithing, he says, will not be burned at his coming, will be actually lifted up to meet him. We're also told that this is going to be a time of a great resurrection, The scriptures talk about a lot of people being resurrected when Jesus Christ was resurrected. Well, all the people, the righteous people from that resurrection until he comes now that have died, those people that are righteous are going to be resurrected and they'll be able to be there too. So you don't need to think, oh, gee, I hope I don't die so I can see it. If all you have to do is be a good, righteous person and be kind and feed the hunger and clothe the naked. You know, when you're 
doing what's right, you'll you'll be able to be there, whether you are there as a resurrected person or as a righteous person that's still in the earth. We'll be lifted up and then we'll, he's going to come down. We'll basically come down together. The scriptures describe. It'll be amazing. Oh, do you want to hear the bad part? This is where it talks about hail, the weight of a talent. It, it, you can't even fathom it. I think I, I looked it up and a talent's like 129 pounds or something. It's huge. Uh, it's so, like so, boulders of ice <laughs> falling from the sky. It doesn't even make sense. But, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes the scriptures aren't literal. So maybe <laughs> sometimes it's just like another way of saying really big hail, you know? <laughs> Um, you know, I've not been in, I've not been in Colorado too long, just two years. And so I've not experienced major hail, but I have seen the effects. I have seen those people whose homes and cars have been here for longer than the two years that I have. And I think there's a few people in Colorado that could probably speak to some pretty significantly sized and weighted hail, but nothing. I mean, can you imagine like if that falls from the sky, a hundred and some pounds, like it would crush everything. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention a person if they're, I mean, that's why we should all clean out our garages. So our cars are parked inside the garage before the second. I'm thinking it's going through the roof at a hundred and some pounds. I just, I can't even imagine. I can't even. I, I don't know. And like I said, it might be figurative. It might be a way to figuratively say really big hail. It's, but it's it, big. It's big. Yeah. It's big. And it talks about lightning and thunder and earthquake. There are many, quote, tribulations, they call them. But specifically, when he comes in glory, it talks about hail, lightning, thunder, and earthquakes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or, or the prophets who wrote the scriptures. Every now and then is they're like, listen, it's going to be big, okay? Just listen to well, me. <laughs> you know, when you're, uh, we talked about the sixth seal in a previous podcast. And, and one of the signs of the sixth sixth seal is that the moon is turned to blood first of all we know that this is in the past right because it happened like sometime between uh the or anyway a thousand years ago or something so it's in the past and we know that the moon didn't literally turn to blood because the moon is still there and it's not made of blood it is time to wrap up today and really an interesting interesting dialogue to better understand that as much as we all really think about the second coming of Christ being that last and ultimate and final one that you describe, there are actually two others that will occur prior to that. A more accurate way of saying it rather than three second comings is that Christ is going to make three appearances, the final being the grand second coming. Again, that's maybe more a phrase I use for the teenagers to say three second comings, but it will be three appearances. <laughs> okay. So here's my final question. The first one that you talked about that's referenced in Daniel chapter seven, that really speaks to more of a meeting mm-hmm. of those who are leaders, both past and present. Could it have already happened? I don't think it has, but that's just me and my hunch. Okay. So this is me like really trying to tie together, connect the dots between our weeks. Will that not happen until the seventh Trump? You know what? The only real clue we have of that is in Daniel chapter, was it seven verse nine or nine verse seven? (laughs) Seven. Okay. It says that thrones will be cast down. As far as like knowing time frame wise, 
after thrones are cast down, then Christ is going to meet with the Ancient of Days. What exactly that means, I don't really want to. I don't want to say because I don't know. It, it seems like there are going to be some government upheavals. In the linking that word throne, it cross-references 1 Corinthians 15, 24 that says, Then come at the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Hmm. Things to think about. I don't know. I, I could go a different, few different directions on that. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know that that's all we're technically waiting for. I, I did wonder at one time, like if there needed to be a temple built there before this would happen. But when I really looked specifically, because I think I had always thought there would be, because I just pictured Jesus coming. And if he came, he would come to a temple. I just think, well, that's the Lord's house. When I looked around for that, I did not find anything that definitively said that he would come specifically to a temple. They could be meeting out by the lake or in the woods. In fact, it, it says that he's going to come to the valley of Adamondiamen. And so maybe it literally is in the valley. I did find two quotes. One, Alvin R. Dyer. Dyer, D-Y-E-R. He's an apostle from the 1960s, and he had been a mission president in Independence, Missouri. And he said he envisioned a temple complex such as never had been known. At its center would be the great temple of the New Jerusalem, in which the Lord would make his first appearance and from which he would govern all the earth. Notice how that was worded. It's that he envisioned it. That's not necessarily a prophet saying that that's what it is. Also, Bruce R. McConkie said, the Lord will not reign in or send forth his law from a city in which he has no house of his own. Bruce R. McConkie seemed to think that he would come to a temple, but really those two quotes are all I found. If any of our readers have anything else to share, let me know. I will say that you'll find like in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 97, it mentions Christ coming to the temple, but it, it doesn't also tie it in with this appearance with Adam. So it could be a completely different appearance. We don't know. So I'm, I'm going to leave that at we don't know. So we're not necessarily waiting for a temple to be built because it literally could be anytime. We know that in Doctrine and Covenants 116 and in Daniel chapter 7, it doesn't really say, it just says that he's going to come to the Valley of Adam on Diamond and meet with the Ancient of Days and the, you know, but it doesn't say exactly where. Thank you for tuning in to It's Coming with Kim and Christine, another exciting week of really just getting to understand more of the doctrine when it, as, in, as it relates to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Certainly an event that we should all be looking forward to, not looking at or looking towards with fear, because in and amongst all of this, there's some pretty exciting stuff up ahead. Hey, but we do want to close with an umbrella scripture, huh, Kim? Yes, let's do that. Okay, I have one today from Doctrine and Covenants section 115, verse 6, where it says, And that the gathering together upon the land of Zion and upon her stakes may be for a defense and for a refuge from the storm, and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. One of the unique things about the tribulations prophesied leading up to the second coming is that we know that the Lord is specifically trying to convince the wicked to repent. And in some cases, perhaps he's punishing the wicked. But 
that as followers of Christ, that we can have a defense and a refuge from the storm through him. And I know that that's true. Thanks, Christine. I appreciate you sharing. Okay, till next time. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye.